0: Well, hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mira Davis, media maven, dog lover, documentary watcher, and thoroughly enjoying this fall
1: weather. I'm Jen Jordan. I am a lawyer, and I love October in Atlanta. It is the most amazing month, and uh, I'm just glad to be here, y'all. And I am Terry Anulowitz. I am in my district,
2: House District 42 in Cobb County, and you'll probably hear my dogs, and I am absolutely loving this October weather. I went and bought a bunch of new bird feeders this weekend, and I'm going to be outside a lot.
0: Yes, well, it is pumpkin spice season. I used to really hate on pumpkin spice and I'd be sarcastic about it, but then it was like sort of cool to hate on pumpkin spice. So I'm back to liking it again because, you know, have to nah. be different.
1: Nah. I mean, they start pumpkin spice like in the, in the summer. Like it's not even a real thing anymore. Whatever. It's a fake well, thing. That's right. And there's, That's no, right. there's no
2: pumpkin actually involved in the pumpkin spice. That's okay. That's
1: right. It's almost right. like McDonald's would announce fish fillet again. I mean, you know.
2: Well, <laughs> now, no. If you're if you're a Catholic kid, you're going to eat yourself some fish fillets. If you grew up South Catholic during Lent, because you can't eat hamburgers on Fridays, fish fillet is like it. All right, that's
1: very disappointing to hear. Anyway, thank you, Terry. That is that is
2: <laughs> some. <laughs> I've eaten a fish fillet or two in my time is what I'm saying. Well, your baby was in a sailor suit. Yes. He's never eaten a fish fillet. He won't touch fish.
0: That's okay. 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 All right. Well, let's get with serious news. Listen, I could probably talk about a fish fillet for an entire hour. What's going on at McDonald's? But we do want to address what's going on uh, in Israel right now. And it has been a, a really devastating couple of days And we really want to be cautious as to how we address this because uh, people are putting out a lot of bad takes. It's damaging. This is a very, very complicated situation. And I just wanted to ask the both of you as a former lawmaker and someone who's serving right now, what that's like as far as how you have to put out a statement and how you present yourself when a tragedy like this happens.
1: So I'll go first as the former, the emeritus person here. Um, you do have to be really careful. A, especially something like this is really complicated. It's changing um, all the time. Um, we have no clue what's going on on the ground, right? So it's kind of dumb just to rely on other people's hot takes on Twitter, you know, to get your information. And um, and really, you know, we got... be we we really need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, there are people dying right now in this situation, um, children, civilians. Um, and so, you know, no matter kind of what your take on it is or what your side is, there's there's a lot of bad stuff happening. And so just to kind of take a step back, but I do think sometimes it's important to at least acknowledge, you know, that you understand that this is a difficult situation, right? Like, because i think some people just put their head in the sand and then some people go the the whole other way with the bad takes but you know the folks that you represent when you are in office do want you to acknowledge at least look i know something bads happening and i know people out there are hurting um and with respect to that you know i'm thinking about all of you and i'm and i'm praying for this situation um to resolve in a way um that isn't that's going to hurt the least amount of people possible. But that was always kind of my approach, but also to fact check it with with people who really were, who I viewed to be kind of subject matter specialists, no matter what it was, to make sure that I wasn't saying something you know, incorrectly or, or using a word or maybe I thought something was right, but the reality is that's, that's not the reality. Um, so it's always good, I think, as an elected official to kind of get outside of your bubble and um, and talk to a few people and, and fact check, because if you're going to put something else out, if you're going to put something out there, um, it's bigger than even just an individual, you know, posting on social.
2: No, I agree completely. It this i think as americans we're conditioned to assume that there's always a binary and i you know because we are our society and our political society it it is one that is made up of binaries you know we have a binary choice for president there's no coalition government you are a democrat you're a republican you vote this or that and this is a very nuanced very long-time ongoing political situation what's happening in israel i think is is I think there are some things that have been a little bit on the pale. You know the 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 music festival. I mean, there horrible things are happening, and women and children and innocent civilians are suffering, and that is undeniable. I think that though, what you're saying about fact checking and looking at your sources, that's something we all have to be so cognizant of because scrolling through social media. I mean, first of all, Twitter is kind of useless, and that's unfortunate because it used to be a very good way to get information from journalists who you knew. We're actual real vetted journalists reporting for actual real newspapers. And so Twitter is useless now. Facebook is very fraught. I mean, you just have to be so careful as to where you're getting your information, especially before you perpetuate something that may or may not be true. And then who's behind what, what, what you're sharing that may or may not be true. But the reality is, is there are a lot of people in Atlanta who are impacted by this, who do know people who are impacted like this. And so I think that, again, There are, yeah, there are a lot of really bad hot takes and trying to understand that the whole situation is difficult. And I'm thinking of everyone who's impacted by this. And I'm thinking of the Israeli community in Atlanta, because that is that is where most of the most of the Jewish community is in, in Georgia, is in metro Atlanta. And this is a very scary time. For people who have not heard from loved ones. I mean, I know, you know, I know a woman who has a kid over there for like a study abroad program. They're sheltering in place. It's hard to reach them. This is this is a very awful situation. And I know there is there are gonna be events around Atlanta this week. Um and I know but yeah, I think we all just have, have to be very careful about how we talk about this because I'm seeing and reading a lot of things that are not great.
0: Yeah, it's really it's really troubling. You know, um exactly so what you pivot off what you said Terry you know i went to high school in israel in the 80s and uh you know it was this program that that a lot of kids did it's uh it, it's the two months you go there for a semester and you know always you always knew when you're going to israel that there's always you know a risk of something you know it's a it's a it, there's this is nothing new, but this what's happened is is pretty extraordinary where it was just it's been it's so horrific. So uh, obviously, exactly what you're saying, a lot of people are on edge. So we want to pass on that we also feel for everybody here. And we just want to be really careful to be sensitive to everything and not talk about things that we're not experts on. And I hope that more people will uh, strive towards doing the same. And if you have questions, ask them. If you want to learn more, read more. Um, And I wish more people would do that before they would just start, you know, putting out some hot takes. Okay. The next thing we need to talk about is the, what's going on in Washington, D.C., with Kevin McCarthy, was ousted out of his speaker role uh, by eight rogues. Eight people decided, you know what, Uh, bye uh, this and, and then the whole idea of should the Democrats have bailed him out? I want both of your takes on this because as we're recording, this is still going on. And even like with all of this, like here we have a global crisis right now with what's going on. And the United States of America does not have a Speaker of the House. Let's weigh in on where we are with
1: this. So in terms of should Democrats have, you know, helped McCarthy out? No. No. Come on. That's no. it's one of those things where it's like, give me a break like this guy, you know, You can't trust him. He he started a dumb impeachment proceeding against Biden based on no evidence whatsoever. I mean, he's clearly someone who's just been an opportunist with respect to just trying to curry favor with the the more rogue elements of his caucus. Um, But what's interesting is there's this there's this really kind of bad saying that for whatever reason I really love, which is, you know, you can invite a bear into your house over and over, but eventually that bear is going to eat you. And so that's what happened here. You know, like he could sit there and he could play nice all he wanted with these crazies. But at the end of the day, crazy is going to do crazy. And and Matt Gates really saw an opportunity for him to to kind of get his profile up Um and he wasn't going to back down. This is like the most fun and the most attention that kid's ever gotten. Um, so, a no, we had no obligation to save him. Um, but I maybe I don't think Terry feels differently. You no, know,
2: I one hundred percent agree. It is really hard to have any sympathy at all for the guy who's like, oh my God, I made this monster out of spare body parts. Oh my God, it's attacking me. It's trying to eat my girlfriend. Oh my God. That's oh right. no. Who could have thought this would happen? Like, no, you empowered you know, Matt Gaetz. They, they empowered the entire freedom caucus. They made them seem valid when Kevin McCarthy took his, you know, however many dozen plus times it took him to get elected. Elected, He made concessions. And in doing so, because he wanted to be speaker so badly. Right. So he made these concessions. He put in that option where they could vacate the speakership. He neutered himself before he was ever even speaker.
1: I mean, neutered himself. I neutered. That's quite quite a quite a visual.
2: We can talk a lot about the impotency of the GOP. (laughs) That's a word I think we should actually use more. Words have meaning. Language is powerful. And if if they're going to say some of the things they say about Democrats, I think we go for the family jewels, as it were. But yes, he neutered himself.
0: Well, here in Georgia, I want to talk about what this means. And uh, shout out to Niles Francis, who writes a good newsletter. And he was just sort of talking about like, that's on the far right. Uh, you know, if they're going to vote for Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan, J- Jordan, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Jen, I'm <laughs> conditioned to say that. It was just a matter of time. <laughs> you know when I see, when I see when I see that there, so Jim Jordan, you know, you've got Buddy Carter, oh, Lord Austin buddy. Scott, Drew Ferguson, Andrew Clyde, and Marjorie Taylor Green. Now, Marjorie Taylor Green is, is saying that Trump should be the speaker. There's these calls for him to be it. Now, and and they all seem to be on the fence with this. So how are they ever gonna get anybody? They they don't seem to agree.
1: I think that's the problem, right? Like, somebody's either too crazy or not crazy enough, or you know. And then this whole Marjorie Taylor Greene for for folks who don't, who are like, what? Um, you don't have to be in Congress um, to become Speaker of the House. And so there had been like these calls that Trump could step in and do this, which is absolutely asinine. Um, but you know, of course. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's always going to go with asinine over anything else. But no, I don't think they're going to be, it's going to be really, really difficult. And I mean, so who do you have? Scalise, who was shot, everybody will, rem- will remember a few years ago, he was shot during um, the congressional or, or it was a practice for the congressional softball game. Um, but he's battling um, multiple myeloma. Yeah, I believe so. He's going to be having to go treatment. So you got that guy. Right. And then on the other end, you got Jim Jordan, who literally stood by why kids were um, abused in the wrestling program that he was a a part of, Um, you know, when he was a wrestling coach in college. I mean, talk about taking the uh, what is it? The the Hastert principle to the next level. Seriously. Like the, the this is the best you've got. And then, of course, Trump is supporting Jim Jordan. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and when he was advocating for Jim Jordan, one of the things he he pointed to was the fact that that Jordan had won these wrestling competitions in high school. Like it's it's so weird and bizarre in, in terms of 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 what they think makes somebody an appropriate person to be speaker of the freaking house, you know, which is a really, really important role. And not only that, but isn't, I think, I think the speaker is third in line to the presidency. So Biden, you know, uh, vice president um, Kamala, and the speaker of the house. It's all so
0: bonkers with these people. And then they're pushing the blame on Democrats. That's my favorite.
2: It's like, oh. Yeah, that's what's really rich. And pardon, there's probably karma to this because there is a leaf blower in front of my house right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Are we sure it's not Sean Steele? I'm, I'm 99% <laughs> sure it's not Sean Steele, but you never know. No, it's de- I, mean, I can see him. It's definitely not Sean Steele. Um, there is... Yeah, third line of the presidency. So it's funny because so my daughter comes home she's a sophomore in high school. She's taking government and she's like, "Mom, this is so funny. We have a test on Thursday and one of the questions is who's the speaker of the house?" Ha, ha 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 ha. I was like, "Oh my god." So that is funny and it's also terrible because yeah, the speaker is third line of the presidency. There is a speaker pro tem, that's Patrick McHenry from North Carolina who immediately proved himself to be a petty little man who kicked Nancy Pelosi who was not even there to vote on vacating the speakership because she was on a plane with Diane, her dear friend, Diane Feinstein's body headed back to San Francisco. So they, you know, he moves her out of her offices, which it's always been tradition that the the former speaker, is able to keep offices in the Capitol. So that's his first thing, right? The most important thing he's got to do with Speaker Pro Tem is not to try to have any stability, not to try to figure out what to do with his hot mess of a caucus or conference, as they call it, but instead he's kicking Nancy Pelosi out of her offices. Like, how? How is any Democrat supposed to take them seriously?
0: Well, and also, let's not forget, and some of these uh, Republicans have actually spoke up about this and said, hey, you know what? Uh, Nancy Pelosi had some people in her caucus that weren't big fans of hers. But when, the rever- when, when they needed the rubber to hit the road, uh, they all fell in line when it was time and that's a real testament to her. You may like her or not like her, but she is in charge, and people have respect for her, and that is pretty impressive. On Jim Jordan, by the way, and I don't know what's happening with this. I'm just throwing it out there you know, George Clooney has financed a documentary. Uh, I was reading about this for a while about Jim Jordan and the Ohio State and everything that went was going down with that. So it's going to be interesting. And I haven't heard anything about this recently, but I feel like they're waiting for the right time to put that documentary out. And I'm wondering if anybody is going to come forward because like, there have been a lot, you know. It, there's been a lot of murky details with that, and now that suddenly, you know, it, that could be very dangerous and scary for him to be Speaker of the House. That guy is a monster. I'm sorry, I'll say it. He's a scary guy.
1: I don't know well, how you. I, I, I think the problem. Well, the bigger issue is the fact that he doesn't seem to have any self awareness around this, or seems to care about the fact that he stood by why the these boys were abused. Right, like you know, it's like a nothing burger to him. And he's like the, I mean, he is the the chair of the Judiciary Committee, which is like the most powerful committee um, from my perspective. And it has tried to do everything he could to be obstructive and also to support Trump and whatever, um, advocating also for, you know, what Andrew Clyde is also advocating for, which was to basically defund you know, Fonnie Willis's office, which is pathetic and, and weak. Um, so it, it you know, look, he he is a weak person. Um and that is what you cannot have um in terms of the speaker of the house, somebody who's just wanting to to do petty um little things right and go after people and really use power in the wrong way it's it's why trump was such an awful president because it was really these little grudge matches he had um so even if the, the, the issue is even if jim jordan gets elected i don't he will be such an ineffectual speaker um that you know, that's going to be even more problematic for Republicans down the line. I mean, I think their best shot at any kind of stability is Scalise.
2: Well, we're going into the midterms, right? The Republicans are trying to make the case to American voters as to why they are the ones best suited to govern this country. And Kevin McCarthy definitely did nothing to demonstrate why Republicans are best suited to run this country. He let a tiny faction of lunatics basically take over the Congress. And Jim Jordan is also not going to be that person. He's part of the
1: lunatics. That's exactly right. Right. So,
2: so he's the guy who's going to be your uniter and unite not only the Republican Conference up there, but he's going to unite Americans into thinking, yeah, we need these guys to keep to keep things running when they actually can't even keep the lights on, right? Like they're you know we're we're going the November shutdown talks are going to be coming fast. It's going to be a disaster. You got Jim Jordan who. Jim Jordan, excuse me. Oh my God! Who?
0: <laughs> See
3: you have yes, us all trained. No, it, it, <laughs> you, you,
2: we're conditioned. You know, you've got Jordan, who would I think probably be perfectly happy if the government shuts down because he doesn't think any of it is necessary anyway, and he's it's 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 he's a shirt slave disaster, and it's funny you know because. Yeah, it's obvious he helped cover up some pretty egregious and outrageous and horrifying sexual abuse. But then that doesn't fit into their narrative of the only sexual abusers being drag queens and transgender people.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and so that's that's really I I don't know why I like remember that documentary was in the mix because I've watched like 85 documentaries this weekend. We'll get to that in our last segment. Well, you I, might
1: be right. Look, if they yeah, if he ends up being speaker or. You know, because one of the things that people don't realize is that the role of speaker is really one of the most important things, as Terry was talking about, is to get members elected or reelected. And part of that is raising a ton of money, right? So you have to be someone that people feel comfortable with as a leader because they're really investing in you and through you um so that you're you know you can stay in power and that you're going to make the right choices and all that kind of stuff and i just can't i mean jim jordan is like the opposite like of of i don't yeah yeah i think it's going to be super problematic yeah
2: can you imagine him like going to the north fulton suburbs to raise money for Folks running for Congress there. Like it's not, those are not his people. He would not blow. like, he'd do fine out in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, but you know, that's not, they don't need to win over any swing voters there, right? And Scalise could do it. Oh, Scalise Scalise. is from, yeah, he's from um, Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, which is outside of New Orleans. He does have a tiny bit of New Orleans. I think my parents actually live in his district down here, even though they're in a very, New Orleans is very blue But he has a little tiny bit of New Orleans, but he is mostly Jefferson Parish, which is Metairie, which is Kenner. It's that part of Metro New Orleans. And it's a lot like like representing JP, representing the Jefferson Parish is a lot like representing. um, I would say maybe Cobb isn't even analogous anymore. It would be like representing Forsyth, but not as rich.
0: He's still got a touch of the crazy. I mean, listen, he had a horrible thing happen to him at that softball game, and he was shot, and that was a horrific thing. Uh, he sort of goes back at some of these people. It's like, it's just... Yeah. Anyway, we're going to have to keep our eye on that. We got to get to our guest in, in a second. But I do want to bring up one thing. I felt like I, you know, with the two of you, I love watching the sausage being made and I, I love to see it. So I actually um, with the Recording Academy where I sit on the board, I went to lobby at Congresswoman Lucy McBath's office to talk about some of the Recording Academy's initiatives I'm not going to get in the weeds of what they are, but it's it, it involves artists and creative creators' rights. But it was just so cool to go in with other members of the Recording Academy to sit down, and it was called District Advocacy Day, and just to um, see, like we we didn't meet with uh, Congresswoman McBath because obviously this was all during the. What was happening last week? So she she had to stay in Washington. They claimed she really wanted to be there. Um, I, of course, she did. I I, I, absolutely. That I have (laughs) no doubt she would have rather been there 100%. Okay. But I 100% dropped both of your names. It gave me, I think it gave me some good credit. But I have to say the process was just so cool, and the aides that were there were really uh, present and took notes, and um, so that's that's like you guys are when you know emeritus and current, you're really hearing out a lot of different issues from different people.
1: You are, and look, it's it's that's actually a real compliment to her district office because, you know, they're kind of the, the, the public facing part of the office. And so if you're an elected official, you want to make sure that whomever the public is interacting with that, that the customer service is there um, because then people talk about it. And even if she can't do anything for you or on this issue, you want to feel like you are Treated with respect, that people we felt it. Yes, you know, at mm-hmm. least tried to understand the issue, mm-hmm. ask questions, and look. If you leave there with a really positive impression, I mean, that's you know, that's a one in terms of um, of her office. So that's that's really good feedback for her. I completely agree. I mean, you're when you are in Congress
2: you cannot be all places at once and most of the time you do have to be in dc your district office they are your eyes and ears on the ground and they will make or break you because at the end of the day nobody who you serve with up in dc can vote for you nobody most of the people who are watching you on cable news can't vote for you that unless they live in your district which is not most of the people watching cable news at any given time at the end of the day what matters is your boots on the ground constituent services and are you, you know, when people have, you know, when they're, when something's gone wrong with their VA benefits or their Medicare or their passport or whatever it is, you have got to have people because it doesn't matter if they're a Democrat or they're a Republican, it doesn't matter what you are, how, you know, how out there you are, even if you're Marjorie Taylor Greene, you better have somebody who can fix the passport issue for your constituent because that is what will bring you to your knees when it comes time for reelection or for a primary.
0: Yeah, well, they were great. And uh, fun fact, Jen's caricature was hanging in uh, <laughs> Congresswoman's McBath office. Mike Lukovich did a great uh, caricature of Jen, uh, Lucy McBath, Stacey Abrams in it.
1: Who's Who else is in it, Jen? Um, I think Melita Easter is the head of Winlist. And then, um, oh, her name is escaping me, but she's incredible. She's a, a documentary filmmaker um and it's it's all about uh being dangerous women um it's so cool they're like superheroes <laughs> it is, it is very cool like it's it's the you know i i really didn't do a lot or or, or get things i was not in the state senate to, to to get things or to go places or whatever but it is the one thing that that i have i took away from service that really is like the coolest thing that that you know, I was able to kind of come away with, and it's hanging in my house,
0: yes, uh, and Mike Lukovich is, I mean, he's uh, just an Atlanta treasurer and a great guy. He's been uh, a guest on the voter podcast too, so we'll
1: fun fun fact, I think that his daughter was the one that was doing the um court the courtroom drawings from the trump from the Trump stuff that's so great. Oh, somebody's calling Jen. I love it. I'm sorry y'all. That's like my work <laughs> phone. I've like <laughs> muted everything except So we my- had dogs.
0: We have dogs, phones. Okay, but now we're going to get to our guest. Um and this is going to be spicy. Our guest today is a friend of the podcast. He's been on before. He's an independent journalist with the Atlanta Objective. And his new podcast is called King Slime. It is all about the young fug and YSL trial. And I am absolutely hooked on it. George Cheaty, welcome back to the Vote Her podcast.
3: Happy to be here. I'm deeply grateful.
0: Now, let's start with the Atlanta jails. Uh, that seems to be a topic that is quite hot right now where suddenly you have lawmakers very in tune to what's happening in Fulton County. Can you elaborate and why you think all of this is happening? And then, ladies, I'd love for you to weigh in. Good
3: stuff. So, yeah, we're up to 10 people dead in the jail in the last year. And importantly, there was a, a period that started in the middle of July and ended uh, in September late September, where one person a week was either being killed or dying in custody, uh, which is unprecedented and insane and completely unacceptable and scary as hell. Um, The Fulton County Jail is the most deadly jail in the United States right now. Um, I have some, I I can guess at why, I don't want to guess, I want to know, but I want to tell you what I'm guessing at and trying to report through. Donald Trump gets indicted in Georgia. And when that the grand jury was meeting, and my personal involvement in there is just fascinating, i all things said and done. But when the grand jury was meeting, they needed to upscale uh, sheriff's office defense of the jail. Like they needed more security at the jail. So they blocked off everything, but you can't just materialize a sheriff's deputy overnight. So they put everybody, everybody on extra duty and no time off and no PTO and no weekends and nothing. Everybody's on overtime in order to increase your manpower hour availability. And that was exactly the same moment that people started dropping dead at the jail. And I think it's because they just didn't have enough people with enough sleep at the jail to watch people effectively. I also think there's some in- involvement there with the jail's, you know, health care provider, Nafcare, which I think is probably dropping the ball. But I don't know that for sure. I've uh, made an open records request for a bunch of records that I am told I will get this week.
1: Yeah, and that would, in, in terms of, and so for for folks who may or may not know this, a lot of times uh, jails or even prisons in Georgia, they have um, basically these independent healthcare providers come in. They have a uh, contract with a particular company that'll come in and do kind of the mental health services or just the general um, kind of provision of health care, emergent care within the jail or within the prison. Um, And so there have been a lot of issues around that with a lot of these private, um, you know, providers of health care really dropping the ball. And um, there's been a ton of malpractice suits that have come out of this all over the state, um, not just even locally in Fulton County. And so it is it is significant and probably something we should keep our eyes on because I'm sure that the families may have independent suits, not just against, you know, Fulton County, but, you know, these independent um, providers of health care aren't subject to immunity, right? So, it it, it is not It's easier to go after them with respect to malpractice than than necessarily going after um, the state. And it is a real issue. It's a real issue not only in Fulton. It's a real issue um, all over the place because we're just not providing um, really a humane the conditions just aren't humane in jails and definitely aren't in prisons, you know, uh, in the metro Atlanta area and outside of metro.
2: And, well, and that's what's so interesting to me watching this is they're, you know, they're they're hyper focused on Fulton County. And I think it's for I think there are very, very and many very valid reasons to be hyper focused on what's happening in Fulton County. But you also, you know, are they going to look at Smith State Prison? Are they going to look no. at Roger State they're, Prison? They're and not. the answer is no. And, and, and that's the problem. And, and that right. That's what. I keep getting stuck on. We need to be looking at all of these prisons. We need to look at the jails, but we need to, I mean, they're not safe for inmates. They're not safe for corrections officers. We've had hundreds of corrections officers in Georgia arrested recently. I mean, this is a broken, broken, broken system, and people are dying as a result.
3: The agency is starting to get at the prison stuff. I was looking at it, have been looking at it for a few years now. There's a group of, there's an advocacy organization called They Have No Voice, that has been surfacing a lot of prison problems, including and especially Smith State Prison, whose like warden was arrested on corruption charges, like and, and for, for facilitating a murder. For crying out loud, um, the 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 corruption problems in the state prison system and the medical problems in the state system run deep, and I. Honestly, I think that a federal takeover is not reasonable at this point, but it goes to this bigger, broader political problem, which is nobody wants to spend like the minute you start increasing the spending on prisons in order to get them up to snuff. Two things happen from the left. They're like, you should be trying to abolish prisons. Look at the prison industrial complex. We're spending more money on this stuff than we are on schools. Like this, why the hell is a prison the most important? Like the largest provider of mental health care. And by God, get these people out of prison. And on the right, it's how dare you spend money on prisoners when there are people starving in the street? Never mind that they don't necessarily want to alleviate people starving in the street. Um, that it turns into this political football, like where. The people who want reform can't get it because they get pushed from both directions. Uh, And meanwhile, people are dying. Lots and lots of people are dying.
1: And look, Terry can talk to this as well. There isn't anybody lobbying from prisoners up at the Capitol, right? And under Governor Deal and what's continued under Kemp too, is that when you are dealing with a budget issue or when you need to cut, the easiest best place to do it is with respect to the corrections um, system because nobody's, nobody's pushing back on it, right? I mean, correction workers are paid abysmally in this state? And are we ever going to really figure out that you get what you pay for, right? You get what you pay for. Yeah. The employee turnover numbers
2: in the DOC in Georgia are astonishing. I mean, it's something like, because we talk about this every year when we go into the budget hearings in January. And it was something like, I think, I mean, it's in the nineties for what their turnover is. I mean, they cannot keep people, plus you've got all the people getting arrested. And I mean, you know, two weeks ago at Smith State, a corrections officer was killed by a prisoner. And I mean, there are, and like Jen said, yeah, you don't, nobody's lobbying for prisoners, but there sure are people lobbying for the prisons because you have the private prison industry in Georgia and they are absolutely lobbying hard and they are throwing money around Yeah, where
1: Where there's a profit, you know, motive.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, that's definitely something that that is uh, going to be ongoing and up for more discussion. George, I want to talk to you about your incredible new podcast called King Slime. It's with you and a uh, journalist, uh, Christina Lee. Uh, it is Absolutely fantastic. It is about the YSL Young Fug trial. You guys have an interview with DA Fani Willis that is quite revealing. I don't think a lot of people got an an interview the way you did. Um, and my takeaway from that, and I'd like you to elaborate is like, she's pretty unflappable, but you, you asked her some tough questions. How did you get that interview? Tell us
3: more. So, uh, it helps that I knew Fannie Willis before she became district attorney. Um, it helps that Both of us have been around for a long time. There are a lot of folks who want to write about like music and crime and whatnot who are bloggers. And I am, I don't mean to deride them, but like it takes experience and real connection to a community in order to convince somebody like Fonnie Willis that I'm not here to be stupid and that I actually care about the community that she represents. Um, that's helpful. Um, Part of it is just we're good professional journalists, and this is the value of having good professional local journalists who are on the job. Um, we need more. Um, if I could produce more, I will. There's a startup called Canopy that Christina Lee has been like intimately involved with that is trying to grow journalists from the grassroots level, pulling people out of local neighborhoods in Atlanta, training them how to go report, and then seeing what they could get. Um, yeah. Uh, but that interview, yeah, I think we got it some stuff that other people didn't. Um, I think that her discussion about her justification for the use of uh, lyrics in a court case is uh, it's illuminating. Um, uh, my mind changed about certain things as I was going through the reporting of this, in part because of talking to her and talking to the defense and talking to experts. I think we've had a a really nuanced view of this trial and its implications and it's a lot about a lot more than just lyrics this trial There is no jury selected yet. If you want to understand what's going to happen with the Trump case, look here. This is how that works.
1: I'm going to disagree just a little bit, George, because I think that the the difference is, A, that this is a gang case, right, with respect to YSL. And so as a general matter, getting... um, Getting a jury in a gang case is difficult across the board just because people have people get scared. They don't want to participate. There's all kinds of weird stuff going on. Right. Um, And secondarily, I think the judge in that case has really the way he has allowed that jury selection to kind of unfold, I think really informs kind of where we are with respect to that case i think that judge McAvee in the trump case is not going to do it that way and i also think as as crazy as this sounds i think that people are not i think there are a lot of people who are going to be happy to sit on that jury in the trump case and really i think the it's going to be the opposite problem that the prosecutors and the defense counsel are going to have to try to figure out like, you know, do we have some, do we have a sleeper that's trying to get on this jury and they have bias one way or the other? It's like almost the opposite. It's like not, you know, pulling teeth to get people to serve. This is going to be, there are going to be so many people that are willing to serve that it's like trying to get folks on there that aren't biased and who aren't trying to kind of cause some kind of result one way or the other.
3: We'll see. I mean, part of the problem is it's going to be a long trial like in relative terms (laughs) it's gonna be three to be three to six months for real they say two months it's going to go longer than that and it's somebody's going to have to put their whoever serves is going to have to put their life on hold in order absolutely yeah absolutely
2: Fulton County had that issue with the grand jury right I mean people were like wait this woman who's talking and she was the chair of the grand jury and she like works at Joanne Fabric like like what well it's like (laughs) yeah because people with job jobs, like you can't just take a six to eight to nine to 10 month leave of absence from that job. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way.
1: Especially people who work hourly. That's why it's always yeah. so hard when you're getting a jury um, to get appropriate, you know, kind of swath of the community because people have jobs. And, and if you're an hourly employee, if you don't show up to work, you don't get paid. You may not lose your job, because of jury service, but you're not going to be able to pay your bills. And, and so that's why it's, that's what makes it really difficult, especially in the criminal context in terms of the people who actually can serve. They may not be an accurate reflection, you know, you know of the community, you know, at large.
3: I agree. The answer to that is to raise jury pay to the median for the county. But that's God help you. I can't imagine how much that would cost. But I think that's the answer to that problem. Maybe we get there. I don't know. Well, Speaking of, and I just wanna, I just wanna say, let's break a little news today.
2: Oh, ooh, oh.
3: Yeah. So, I have very little news. A tiny little news. Um, like I'm in a car because I had to go down to the courthouse, uh, and not for the YSL trial, because.
1: Oh, you got your subpoena. You you got subpoenaed for what? Wait, for for what? The trial.
3: So I'm a witness in the Chesboro trial. Chesboro and the other one. Um, Because of the stuff (laughs) from December. For your, for your viewers' edification, I, I was at the state capitol in Georgia on December 14th, 2020, and I discovered that the people we describe as fake electors were having their meeting, and I barged in there with a the camera and got thrown out. And as a result of that, that observation appears to be legally relevant, and so I've been called to testify. I was called to testify to Chesbro!
1: That that really is kind of the, the main thing about Chesbro, right, are the fake electors. That that part of the, the conspiracy is, it's, is really kind of focused on on Chesbro. So that kind of makes sense to me.
3: Jen, if I got mine, you're probably going to get one, too. <laughs> uh,
1: I don't answer I'm my serious. phone. I mean, you know,
3: <laughs> it
1: is what it well, is, right? So
0: wait, uh, George, funny Willis isn't going to be there, is she?
3: What you mean at the trial? Maybe I know
0: for you for this for what you're going to right now.
3: Well, this is the trial. Like so, if she's at the trial, if she's at the the Chesbro trial, then she'll be there when I'm there. But he just got served.
0: That's oh, you got served. Okay, I thought you were on your way there right now. No, 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 no.
3: The trial doesn't start for another few weeks.
0: And at that point, is is like is that awkward? Like you spent time with her, and she'd be like, "What up, George?". (laughs)
3: <laughs> so, we're both professional. That's helpful. Okay. Like, like we're... It's sort of like we don't make eye contact. We just sort of do the hi, hi. Like, we, we, we will acknowledge each other's presence and then do the things we have to do. Okay. Um, I'm not fighting this one because I'm just... I don't see why I'm going to... Like, this is any different from the other one. Like, I don't know. I'll talk to somebody about it. But, like, I don't want to fucking testify in the sense that I don't want to have to... I don't want to justify subpoenaing journalists yeah. on the other hand I want an honest airing of this question of democracy in the courtroom it's not that I, I have a strong as a journalist I don't want to to express a strong opinion one way or another about the guilt or innocence of the people involved um but I do think that we need a trial and if I have evidence to contribute I should do it Like I just hate it you know what I mean
0: well, George, you know you were there, and we were like, "Knock, knock, knock! What's going on here, guys?"
3: <laughs> well, mean- yeah, because you
0: knew all those guys. You're like, "This
2: is weird. What's going on yeah. here?" What you- yeah, what are
3: you doing here? Like, like, <laughs> uh, it's, gosh, yeah, it's just a lot of attention. Like, it's like, like I have, like the New York Times. I got interviewed by a guy at the New York Times who is one of Hunter S. Thompson's contemporaries. Like, somebody that used to like hang out while people were doing drugs with Hunter S. Thompson. Like, that guy thinks I'm important enough to write about. What has happened to my world? What is this life? This is weird. Like, the idea that I would walk into a room and people will recognize me now is a little strange. And could make my life as a journalist very slightly more difficult, because they could see me coming.
1: Right. Now you're not incognito anymore. That's right. right.
0: That's ah. right. You've come a long way from Dungeons and Dragons. No, uh,
2: which you're still doing, right? Yeah, that's still a thing. <laughs> Hell
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. And by the way, if you haven't played Baldur's Gate 3, you should. Like, that'll <laughs> start, I've, I've lost hours of my life. I can't get
0: back. Well george uh i listen you're an incredible journalist but king slime is is really been one of my favorite podcasts this year so uh, you are at, and i have texted george you no know, i get a one word answer back you know thanks because i'm like you are made for podcasting george you're just got so got great voice yeah
3: well very much i am so grateful to you and i'm Gratified for the attention because it's been good work and not just my own. Tommy Andres, who runs Heirloom Media and is our producer, is the reason the quality of this thing is what it is. I know I sound like I should be like I'm a podcaster. I got a team and this is what can be produced with a good team.
0: That's awesome. Everybody check it out. George, thanks so much for giving us the time today. Thank you. Thanks, George. Thank you, George. All right, always a great conversation. There it is certainly never boring,
2: never, uh, never, never. <laughs> so. No, and subscribe to his newsletter, y'all,
0: if you yes, already. The Atlanta objective, and subscribe to King Slime, which is I'm a huge fan of. I think it's great. And two new bonus episodes are coming out soon. I have inside information on podcast news. All right, what are we raving about this week? Who wants to go first? You, Terry. All right. I will go first. We had sorry,
2: they're doing something in my, in my basement also, <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, we had this weekend in Smyrna, it was the 151st birthday celebration. If you were paying attention last year, that is our sesquicentennial plus one. We had <laughs> about 32,000 people in downtown Smyrna we shut down Atlanta road. Uh, of course the Braves were playing a couple miles down the street, but they had, it was a a um you can tell gen x is fully ensconced in power in smyrna because the bands that played were the wallflowers the goo goo dolls and Ten Thousand maniacs i am going to be very clear because i was like real debbie downer i was stupid like Ten Thousand maniacs i was like you know it's not natalie merchant you know she left the <laughs> not band real. in the 90s not real then. and and one of my neighbors <laughs> like yeah but it's a singer from Sixpence pence none the richer i'm like that's fine but she's not natalie merchant and i was a 10,000 Maniacs, like super fan in the late 80s That's and 1990s. That's going like. on. It's shocking. How did I end up with Agnes Scott wearing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, we walked over and to, cause I was in my driveway and I was like, holy shit, they're playing like stuff from like in my tribe and blind man zoo, like deep cuts. I was like, okay, let's walk up. So we walked up and I've got to say I was real Debbie Downer and it was like watching a cover singer, but it, the band is the band, right? It's the original band from 10,000 Maniacs. So I was like, okay, I'm pleasantly surprised because they did end up playing all of In My Tribe. Like their final song was Hey Jack Kerouac, which is not what you would necessarily think would be their final song. But I was like, hey, I'm here for it. Uh, so that was fun. And then I had I two things I'm reading about. I had lunch today with a journalist from Japan. He writes with Nikkei, which is the it's basically like the wall street journal of japan and it is the so it's actually because it is or asia actually so it's the biggest financial newspaper in the world and we had a really fun talk about about asian countries like japan developing these sub-national relationships with elected officials in different states and why that is so important so that was a lot of fun and i really enjoyed it
0: love it jen what do you got for us
1: wow that very serious and then i was like <laughs> not gonna go serious well i'll do two. First is october's my birthday month so i love october period it's the best month ever it and is. um so i bought myself this shark multi-styler um have y'all yeah. tried
2: that well i have the dyson air wrap which is very um, similar to the shark multi-styler yeah, so yes
1: I-, I went for the it was half of what the dyson was worth but holy camoly, it is like legit. Right. And I had to sneak <laughs> it into the house because Koki wants one. And so I couldn't let her see that I bought myself one. Um, so, you know, anyway, that's my own issues with my daughter, but she'll never listen to this. The second thing is that um, my son is doing two really cool things at Boston University. One is he just joined a comedy skit group cool try out for it and they have like practice twice a week for hours and his first show is going to be this friday so much fun. And then he's also, Mara, in a nod to you, he is doing BU radio. so I love it. Oh, that's so cool. Saturday nights, he does like a six to eight shift. And the whole thing is like once you do, I guess that's the shift that nobody wants to do, you know, that, that, that shift. So once you do a whole semester of that, then you can pitch a show. Um, to the BU radio station and kind of um, and do it. So I'm really excited for him, kind of doing new things and cool. That's what college is supposed to be. Well, can we listen online? Does BU have a stream? Uh, yes. So it's so right. weird listening to my son's voice. Um, you know, and he actually has a really good radio voice. So I'm super pumped for him that he's doing things that he's never tried before. And, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool. That's exciting. We'll all
0: have to tune in. We'll have to make a request or like, hey, listen, back in my day, we didn't have the Internet. We're like, you know, people couldn't listen to me. It was like you were lucky if you had anybody
1: listening I, So I well, least... think about how cool it is now. I mean, yeah. you can get equipment like we have. And- yeah. and and be doing this kind of stuff. So it's just super, it's great. Kids have so many different opportunities now and can really kind of push the boundaries of, of what they want to do and figure out, you know, it's exciting. Like, what am I good at? That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. All right. My rave of the week is I want to shout out
0: Jackie Duncan. She works at the Omni Atlanta Hotel, and they have this organization called the Career Closet. And basically what this closet does is for people that work at the Omni Hotel, you know, you have a lot of people in the restaurants, in the housekeeping, in the service. And this is a closet where people donate clothing. So if they want to switch jobs, if they want to need a shirt, if they if they got a stain on a shirt. They have to get another shirt if they want to their a, a loved one is going to a fancy event. It is a way for them to have access to clothing and shoes. Um, it's like their own personal thrift shop and Jackie Duncan has been doing this on her own for years. That's so cool. And the Omni Hotel actually let her come up with a space there. Um, and so I've become friendly with Jackie. I went there randomly last year to donate some stuff and it's just, it's really growing, getting bigger. And since you both had two, I'll give you one more. My next one is Phil Williams in in, Na- in Nashville, Tennessee. He was just featured on John Oliver last night. Um, he's the one, it's it's I think it's NB Phil Williams on Twitter. Um, this guy is like the gotcha journalism and exposes all these terrible politicians. And I am absolutely obsessed with him. He is an incredible journalist and, um, you know, I love hypocrisy being called out. So good for you, Phil Williams. That's awesome. All right. Well, great. Well, listen, um, we're going to, I'm very impressed ladies. We've been on point every week we have been doing this we're on a hot streak remember if you are listening right now if you could give us a review an apple podcast or whatever it really helps us a good one a good a, one a good one <laughs> yes yeah if you're cranky
2: it, you know what you can just keep it to yourself it's okay i
0: i actually you know what i'll take a
1: cranky review i'm fine with that it just do it it would uh, be great just email email mara directly yeah like, you the know most what? of us don't want to hear the crank
0: I love attention, so send it all to me. Uh, We will talk to you all next week.